Welcome to Health System CIO's podcast with Anna Schoenbaum, VP of Applications and Digital Health at Penn Medicine. I'm Kate Gamble, Managing Editor and Director of Social Media. In this interview, Schoenbaum talks about the critical work her team is doing to reduce clinical workload, improve efficiency, and create a better experience for patients. She also provides insights on the key role of feedback when piloting technologies, what it takes to foster innovation, and the biggest challenges when it comes to chat GPT. Okay, so thanks so much for joining us. Appreciate it. And um, I think the best place to start is with a high-level overview of Penn Medicine and then getting into um, your role as well. Wonderful. Well, thanks so much for having me here today, Kate. Just a little bit about Penn Medicine is that the Penn Medicine Health System is the sixth hospital system in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, all throughout Pennsylvania and New Jersey. We have 47,000 employees. On the acute care side, we have 3,600 inpatient beds. On the ambulatory practice, we have 6.9 million ambulatory visits per year. Our home health program is also very large. Our average daily census is 4,000, which equates to almost 950,000 annual visits. We're a hospital of many firsts. We're the nation's first hospital, which was founded in 1751. We also have the first medical school in the United States at 1765. And if you haven't heard, we have also Nobel Prize winners, Dr. Carrico and Dr. Wiseman, who has this remarkable achievement in the science of medicine. Yeah, that's fantastic. Congratulations to the whole team. Thank you so much. Now, your role is your VP of Applications and Digital Health, correct? Yes. Okay. So what do you really consider to be your most important core objectives right now? Um, so, you know, we have many initiatives at Penn Medicine. And um, just to simplify, the approach is toward patient care and clinician wellness. At Penn Medicine, we are serving to change the world um, in this changing world environment. And our mission is to improve health and the well-being of people in our neighborhoods, in the region, and in the world. Our department, Information Services, support all the patients in all settings. So when the, I say patient care, it's in the ambulatory space, emergency department, acute care, rehabilitation, and home care. If I was to look at, dive deeper into um, patient care, is to improve the front end access to care and also the patient experience. So from the front end, we're looking at how to find a provider, how to easier to schedule appointments, and then how can you do maybe self-serving, for instance, online scheduling or what we call context arrival. So you, people know when you show up that you, you've arrived to the practice. Also on the acute care side, we're also changing some of our care delivery models. We're just piloting virtual care nursing and how virtual nursing can assist the nurses at the bedside. So that is underway in getting evaluation. On the home health side, we're also looking at innovative tools on how to make those nurses more efficient, but also how we can deliver better care and better communication. Also, we are involved in a lot of value-based programs right now, and we're implementing tools 
so that our patients can be seen across the continuum in more of a holistic care. And then we're providing those tool sets to our providers. So that's really on the patient care side. You're talking about virtual nursing. Can you talk a little bit about more about what you're doing there? But yeah, can you talk about what drives that and, and what you're looking at with that? Sure. With the post-pandemic and we're in the, the recovery period, we have workforce challenges as well as trying to keep our clinicians well, become more efficient, and um, to look at different models of care. So we have a really good virtual program in different spaces. We have a world-renowned program for our critical care. ICU, where we have a centralized program that provides adjunct care for virtual ICU at the bedside for in the ICU areas. We've also moved that somewhat a, it's not similar model, but some of the similar concept, a virtual nursing model. And we're still working on assessing what is the right workflow to have virtual nurses overseeing patients, say, in a med surgery area, or maybe in labor and delivery and postpartum when patients are ready to go home, or in other spectrums of care. So right now we're looking at, is our virtual nurse valuable in triage, gathering some data maybe on social determinants of health, also with education, discharge, if a nurse comes and provides discharge instructions and training, does that help alleviate some of the workload on the bedside nurse? But also it provides that one-on-one -on -one concentration to the patient to make sure that they really understand and maybe demonstrate back their education before they go home so that they're one, educated regarding their care and that they may have better outcomes. So those are all under evaluation at this point. And um, we're going to be deciding how we go forward, whether it's a central model and how we may deploy that from an enterprise standpoint. Okay. It's really interesting. I imagine that it has to be fluid um, when you're talking about something like virtual nursing, because there are different environments that you're using it in. But it just seems like such a such a huge win for a lot of different areas to be able to improve patient care, but then also take some of the uh, the burden off of nurses. Absolutely. And we need to, you know, understand what the patient needs and what how we can use this technology in the patient's room that helps nursing. So right now, what we're looking at, do we need a wow that we pull in? Or is it a in-room camera and TV type of solution or monitor type of solution for that two-way interaction? One is more of a costly effort. Other one is that it may have disadvantages because you're rolling in those cards and it just may not be suitable for this situation. So right now we're going through the technology evaluation to figure out the best model for our organization. Okay. So that seems like it's part of the the culture of, of how you do things with how you're approaching this project. Um, does it really kind of reflect how you look at initiatives? It is. You know, what we like to do is always understand the purpose statement of the problem we're trying to solve and where we want to get to. And then closely go through our governance group. That's part of our DNA. We have really strong governance and we have strong engagement and to make sure we understand the scope, understand the requirements of how 
from a patient perspective and nursing and administrative perspective, as well as other clinicians on how that would work. And then we go through an evaluation system selection process. And that's kind of typical regarding an implementation. You want to make sure it's well-resourced, it's funded, but then understand the support model and the sustainability of the equipment, but also the solution and the optimization process. So it really is working closely in partnership with our operations as well as our clinicians, whether it's at the front line or at the executive level, but it's to make sure we all are arm in arm moving forward together. And then you talked about some of the other initiatives that that are more clinically focused. Can you get into some of that? Absolutely. We are also focused on our clinician wellness. Our clinicians have been through a lot and we want to help reduce any workload, improve efficiency, eliminate redundancy, and improve the care to our patients. So we're looking at some new innovative tools regarding artificial intelligence and chat GPT regarding the intelligent in-basket with our vendor. We're also looking at other ways to maybe streamline documentation, improve workflows, So those are some of the innovation projects that we're looking at. We're also about to start ambient listening or ambient technology regarding where um, a software will provide some draft responses to a visit, a summary um, visit of, say, a patient and a provider speaking in a patient's room during examination, that solution will provide an uh, an admission note or an HMP or some type of summary. And that is what we're also um, right now underway at one of our hospitals. Okay. And in terms of ambient listening, is that something that has been received well? Because it it does have some critics, but is it something where, where the pros outweigh the cons? So I think with any new technology, it takes time to understand the requirements and what it requires for anyone who is to be an early adopter. And so I think it's really to make sure that they understand how it works and the workflow, and you got to incorporate into the workflow. If it's not incorporated the workflow, we know that it doesn't have a very good success rate. But it's also that feedback loop with our providers are just so extremely critical for being early adopters, whether it's the in-basket auto response and also with the ambient listening technology, that feedback loop and that early development with that vendor, that's what they're looking at us in the industry to provide that feedback for that development. As long as that's open and it's well-received, then I think we'll continue to grow that product. So we kind of tested the ambient listing, and if it works right and is incorporating the workflow, we are getting very positive results from our provider. We won't be able to deploy it fully until we get onto a certain platform in our EHR, as well as when there's um, some device integration. So it's still um, ways away, but we are taking a pilot test drive for a couple of months prior to that general release available with that integration. So we're really looking forward to it. We have a lot of providers that are raising their hands for this um, opportunity. And so we'll see how it goes. And maybe we could do a check-in in a couple months and I'll let you know. Yeah, that would be great. Um, With something like Intelligent InBasket, that, that seems to really make a lot of sense. But with things like that, you talked about the feedback loop. Can you talk about like how that works in terms of, of getting that feedback? 
Yes. So right now we have gone back to the in-basket messages. We have selected five practices, but we know it can't just be providers because there's also nursing that's a part of their team. So it's a team. So we have five practices with multiple providers that are helping us test this. But I want to put something into context. We at Penn Medicine being six hospitals with almost 7 million ambulatory visits, 6.9 million. We have 5 million in-basket messages from patients. So our providers are overwhelmed. So as we look to, is it the chat GPT that can help with prompt engineering? It's still to, to be determined because we have to provide responses to make sure it's how we would respond or how a certain provider will respond. And so that requires continuous um, updating of our prompts to make sure that it works. We need to make sure it sounds authentic in the context. We need to make sure it's accurate and to make sure that our messages are clear um, so that the patient can receive the right communication. So return on investment will be measured in accuracy of response and efficiency of data and then definitely provider satisfaction. We meet with them on a regular basis that are in this practice, and they asked why they were selected because they provide us the feedback loop. But then our EHR vendor also has open hours, office hours, where we can provide feedback, not just by Penn Medicine, but other um, colleagues that are also implementing. So it's kind of a community feedback as well. That's really exciting to be early adopters in this technology and trying to shape the direction that it goes. Um, we will be also looking at another chat GPT effort, and that next one would be looking at patient data for clinical summaries. So that hasn't started yet, but hopefully we'll get started in the next few months. Okay. So in terms of being an early adopter, that's not something that Penn Medicine has backed down from, it seems like. And, you know, really definitely a lot of benefits, but I imagine that there are some challenges, too, in being willing to do that. Yeah, you know, right now with our multiple priorities um, that we have, and everybody has workforce challenges, and it's hard to prioritize, but our leadership is very supportive to make sure that we look to improve our patient care mm -hmm. and also to reduce the burden of our clinicians, nurses, physicians, administrative, case managers. And so we got to somehow make priority of some of these bigger innovative solutions. And so we just kind of weave them in and um, they're part of our priority list of projects that we want to implement throughout the year. Yeah. And there's, in what you're saying, there's a lot of emphasis on making sure that anything fits into the workflow. Do you think that part of that is maybe your own, drawing from your own experience to really have that emphasis on workflow? Absolutely. For me, yes. But I think if you work in health IT, it has just been proven. Keep our providers within their workflows, whether it's one EHR or have a seamless connection. The goal is to reduce redundancy, have the information at the right time, right place. I started out in pediatric critical care. So my background is about holistic care from one setting to another. So absolutely that plays into um, understanding what a provider may need. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. How did you come into uh, the IT space? 
Oh, gosh. You know, I kind of stepped into it. And um, when I was going back for my master's, which was many years ago, into informatics, open house. And unbeknownst to me, that university had one of the top nursing informatics program in the country. And I just wanted to solve problems, I think, to make things better for patients, as well as clinicians. And it has been the best of all three worlds. And that's information science, clinical science, whether it's nursing or academic science, and just leadership component. And just having that all those three pieces is just really what I'd love to do and be a part of that community to drive forward for better patient outcomes. Yeah. It seems like the nursing experience really does stay with you in a lot of ways as a leader now. Yes. Yes, absolutely. It does. It is part of me, who I am. And I think once you become a nurse, you know, you're always a nurse. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. One of the areas I also want to talk to you about was when it comes to innovation and really trying to foster that, I know that there's no blueprint for doing it, but what have you found to be a good way to really keep the ideas flowing? I think it's to have an open door, mm -hmm. right? It's to have an open door and it's to build that relationship with your executive, your frontline clinicians or physicians, respiratory therapy, case manager, but it's to ask, you know, how are things going? But it's also to be present. And so I like to go and do rounding on the units and to do some observation, especially maybe before an implementation, but then also after an implementation. So for instance, what happened was in one of the um, observation right after the virtual nursing pilot went out, um, got deployed, I did do an observation day because I just wanted to see the um, great work that everybody had done. And I noticed that the nurse was always interacting with the patient, which is so great. I mean, that connection was still there, but she was ended up writing on paper. So it's just to say, hey, would a dual monitor help in that so that you can just go ahead and work directly into the EHR? So those little things are big wins so that um, you can streamline workflow. But I think it's to listen, develop relationships so that people can come knock on your door and then also to do some observation. But then also, I will say credits to Penn Medicine for having a really robust governance process and to have a process where you can review projects, but also to keep work groups going during the implementation. Just going back to AI, it's a little bit different than a system implementation, right? Whenever you implement any predictive model, you have to go through a little bit more different robustness in the evaluation process. And it's not just at implementation, it is also on the support side. So before you implement, I mean, you gotta check for data security, data privacy, make sure how information may travel from one system to another if you use a third party, but also to understand how things are calculated or how things are scored. So it's also called explainability. And then also you have to look at the resources that's needed for implementation, but also for sustainability, because you need to continue to monitor those predictive models. And they may change as your population changes or that you expand your program. But those are things that 
probably are different than a normal system implementation. And we're all learning and we're learning from our colleagues as well as our um, experts within our organization on how to shape that. So we're at the very beginning journey. It's going to be very exciting in the next um, couple of years here. I know that things will change. Yeah, pretty quickly. Yeah, and it's interesting what you said about explainability because this is a different, it's a different ballgame. Yes. Okay. Well, I definitely want to check back down the road. I think that'll be great. I want to see how things are moving along. And there's a lot of um, curiosity for the organizations that are really going forward with things like ChatGPT. And there's a lot of thirst for lessons learned and uh, how it's been. So I think that'll be interesting. And, you know, I, I give your organization a lot of credit for kind of being willing to do that. Well, it's exciting and it's great to have the partnership with our clinician and our executives helping us push it along. It's just the vision here at Penn Medicine is that we want to be a part in changing the world. That's That was the tagline from our new strategic plan, and it really resonates with me. And so we have a lot of support from our leadership, and we're excited to be on this journey to help our clinicians and to help our patients. we got to do this in a very thoughtful way, meaningful way and select the right solution for the problems we're trying to solve for our patients and our clinicians. Yeah. Okay. So with so much innovation happening in, in the industry and so much interest in you know tools like ChatGPT, do you have any advice or any words for, for leaders on how to proceed and really do that in a way that is going to be sustainable? I think there's a lot of consideration regarding the resources that are required and the engagement and adoption. But I really want to put it back to the, the core cause of all this, and this is the patient. The patient has to be in the loop in understanding to make sure our results are accurate. Um, make sure that if it's a response to the patient, it's a good idea to have a patient advisory board and just to get their ideas and thoughts of some of these responses and the, the, um, uh, the communication that may go to them. And also the human is also our clinician. Understand what they need and is it addressing what we intended it to. So I think it's to always keep those humans in the loop and don't necessarily let technology outweigh the human. Yeah, that's really good advice. And and I also like what you'd said before about keeping an open door. I think that's, that goes so far toward building that trust with the people who are doing this work along with you. Absolutely. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time and uh, look forward to catching you, catching up with you a little bit down the road to see how everything is going. Thanks so much, Kate. Great to be here. Thank you for listening to this podcast from healthsystemcio.com. To hear other podcasts, visit our website or subscribe to our account in iTunes at healthsystemcio.com backslash podcast.